Hi, and welcome to Black, White, but mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our different values and experiences. If we take the time to look beyond the labels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we want to explore. So open your minds and join us. Welcome back to Black, White, but Mostly Gray. Today, we're going to talk about success and how it can mean different things to different people. You know, Leaky, we define our own success by what we believe, what we do, and what we think it means to be successful. For some, that's a deep connection with God. For others, it's money, fame, or success in their careers. Maybe it's a passion that has nothing to do with any of that. But then you have to be careful when it comes to success, because the moment you begin to achieve anything, haters will want to jump in and share their opinion about you and your success. You're so right, Aliki. You just got to shake them off. But before we get into all of that, let's take a special trip into Aliki's world. Aliki, you just got back from a trip to Southeast Asia. So you've pretty much been MIA for most of October. That's right, Dano. Um, Yeah, I had fun visiting Singapore and Thailand. So, you know, I'm glad to be back, but I'm definitely missing the sun over there. One of the things I heard about Singapore is that you can actually get arrested in Singapore for spitting on the streets. Are they very strict about things like that? I did read quite a lot of things before I went over there. You know, there are a lot of rules in the books, you know, things like chewing gum is banned and uh, they're still canning people over there. You can't chew gum in Singapore? (laughs) <laughs> when I was getting ready for my trip, that's one of the things I read about. It's like, I'm not allowed to take gum with me to Singapore. <laughs> well, so, you know, that's a good travel tip. Yeah, they're very strict. But the funny thing is when I was there, I mean, I think it's one was one of the most cleanest, most well-organized and well-run cities I've ever visited. Um, well, you know, I don't know that you would have even noticed because you're not typically picking up the bill. But I understand that tipping is not the norm in Singapore. Did you what do you, did, what do you mean I wasn't typically picking up the bill? What do you mean? I'm just I'm just I'm just saying typically in most social situations, you're not the one picking up the bill. But if you were in Singapore, I understand tipping is not the culture there. I and I, I think it's not just Singapore either. I think it's Southeast Asia in general, because when I was in Thailand, it was the same thing. Really? Yeah. So being a person who works in the service industry, I was over there trying to tip. And, you know, I I was told quite a few times uh, tipping is not uh, a thing there. At a couple of points, you know, I did leave some tips or whatever. And, you know, nobody pushed back. Uh, One of the things I read about Singapore, very strong on family values, not so strong in terms of open-minded regarding uh, diversity when it comes to LGBT. Did you run into any of that? I, I did not. The vibes over there. It's a welcoming place. I mean, I just, I didn't it seems see. seems to have a lot of rules. I, I didn't. Well, I think many places on, uh, in the world have rules. I think us as Americans, we tend to uh, look We at like to them. have rules so that we can break them. Well, not only <laughs> that. I mean, like if, if the rules are, you know, 
very different from ours. We kind of look at it like, what the heck's going on there? One thing I, I did ex- I did notice when I was over there, and, and mind you, I didn't spend too much time in Singapore. I, I mostly spent time in Thailand. Singapore was more of like just a transit for me. So I spent like a total, like maybe four days over there. You know, I never saw a cop anywhere. Uh, I did not see any homeless people. I mean, in terms of cleanliness, oh my goodness! And it's so beautiful. And how big is how big is Singapore ish? You know, I don't. I can't give you. I mean, I can look. I could look it up, uh, Google it. But but it's it's not a, a terribly big island. And uh, because you know they discourage a lot of personal drivers, you know, personal vehicles, uh, traffic. Five, is- five and a half million. What in terms of population? Yeah, that's the population of Singapore. Yeah, five million. It's it's a small island. Uh, it's yeah. one. It's, it's got a lot of people though. Five and a half million. It's one of like something like sixty four different islands, small islands. So like when most people think about Singapore, they're thinking maybe one island, but there are a lot of different islands, over sixty of them, that are all part of Singapore. So that was kind of interesting. And it's well. Let, let's move on to Thailand because we've got to get going. What What are some of the things that really impressed you about Thailand when you were there? Oh well, Thailand's always been on my bucket list. One of the main reasons being when I first immigrated to the U.S. You know, like those of us who are immigrants, we have to take English as a second language in high school, or even if you're not in high school, you still have to take that. So the majority of my classmates were actually people who were very familiar with Thailand because many of them either were from there or they grew up in refugee camps in Thailand. So, you know, like the Hmong. What's the prevalent language there? In Thailand? Yes. It would be Thai. But a lot of English? No. Surprisingly, uh, English is people. There are a lot of English-speaking people over there, but well, most you know us. You know us, American travelers. I mean, if we go to Thailand, are we going to be able to get by speaking English? Well, I mean, people do understand it, but it can be c- quite difficult. I mean, these days with Chat GPT and Google Translator, I mean, it's not a big deal. You know, like you can still understand, like have you know the limited conversations in English. People do get them. But it is not the dominant language. Unlike Singapore, in Singapore, everybody speaks English. It's one of the six, you know, official languages. But in Thailand, it wasn't the case. But now, you- I, I heard in Thailand that the standard greeting is not a handshake. It's a, you dip your head and you put your hands up with your palm together in front of your chest. It's called a, a way, I think. Did you, well, did you do any of that stuff? Well, that's how that's how it's done. I, I would think that's kind of like prevalent in the Asian subcontinent, you know. Never the, been there, so I mean that is that's so you don't yeah you no oh, I, okay like they do in the yeah all right yeah I I I don't remember I don't recall shaking anybody's hand which which was fantastic given our post COVID uh, reality now you know M- and, maybe we should ad- adapt this in the United, adopt it rather in the United States. We should not yeah, just in, in the a US, post-COVID but, world. Yeah. I mean, I think globally, I think it's the sanitary thing to do. Plus uh, what I really, really, really loved about Thailand is that, you know, based the people and the culture there. I mean, I was in Koh Samui, which is, you know, one of the tourist destinations, but it's, it's much smaller than, you know, let's say the other side, like, you know, when you go to like Phuket, you know, the big, the bigger islands. So this one, you know, it's a resort, 
uh, resort island clearly. 93% of the people in that country, something like, uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely above 90%. They're Buddhists. So you, yeah, that's what I read. Ninety-five percent, and the and that and that the national religion weaves through every aspect of life. And 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 you feel that in the people, the way they treat one another, they treat you know other people. You know, there's a real uh, recognition of the spirit there. And every, you know the way in, we were so, we were talking about the greeting, uh, how we greet people. You know, like you're bowing to each other when you see each other. You know. And to me, that is like, you know, acknowledging, you know, you beyond just your physical aspect, you know, so that really just, uh, uh, that spoke to me and I love the vibe, um, of Thailand and not to mention it is very inexpensive to live there. Uh, there are a lot of white people that live in Thailand. Well, um, I, I picked up a couple tips, you know, in my research that you should never point the soles of your feet towards a Buddhist image or a monk. And you shouldn't touch a Buddha statue on the head. Hopefully, you didn't violate any either of those, did you? I I didn't do the ugly American stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wasn't able to go into uh, a lot of temples because you know, because that's one of the things I wanted to do. I did. I I was outside many of them. I but I only managed to go into a Chinese temple because they did not have any like uh, dress codes or whatever. So mind you, you know, we're on the island, you know, we're beach surfing and things like that. So most of the times, and it is hot as hell. So most of the times, you know, you're in shorts, you know, you have your, you know, your swimsuit on and, and stuff like that. So uh, in a lot of the uh, the Buddhist and Hindu temples, there's a dress code, you know, you're not supposed to wear, you know, especially for us women, uh, anything uh, above the knee and, you know, things like that. So I ended up not going entering many of those temples because of that. I did visit quite a few of them. Uh, I, I have a thing for temples. And then even the mosques, like when I was in uh, in Singapore, it was the same thing. I was like, uh, I can only look at, you know, I can't go in. I also read where African women or black women are a true minority in Singapore. How is that true, number one? And then number two, how was it in Thailand? Did you feel that you were in the minority or I did not see I think I saw maybe one or two black people when I was uh, in Singapore uh, including you know my friends yeah so I did not see a lot of black people you know I did run into them in the airport so did you did you feel treated any differently or did you did it not really seem like an issue it 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 doesn't seem like an issue to me i'm so used to you know being a minority in most places in most spaces i'm in how about thailand Thailand, it was the same thing. Uh, you don't see, I mean, but the Thai, the Thai people tend to be darker complexions. So there are a lot of people that look black, you know, they're not black, but they look black. I'm not one of those people who is self-conscious about my skin color or anything like that when I travel. And I know that's a bit strange. Maybe it's my my African background. I don't know. But, uh, you know, this walking around, being self-conscious about, you know, what I look like, you know, when you have that in the back of your mind, it's hard to enjoy places and enjoy things, enjoy people. So I just tend to not look at it that way. Um, hey, to wrap things up, give us uh, one big takeaway from your trip to Southeast Asia. Oh, I, I love it there. It's uh, it's a place that's good for your soul, your spirit. And uh, I definitely would visit again and spend as much time out there as, as I possibly can.
Very cool. Yeah. So glad you got to experience it. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about traditional definitions of success and how they're changing and how we can each determine our own measure of success. Be back in a moment. So, Dano, today we're going to talk about success. Do you consider yourself successful? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of the quote, success is a journey, not a destination. You know, the original quote came from Ben Sweetland. He was a self-help author back in the mid-1980s. It's also been attributed to Arthur Ashe. He was a great tennis player, but he's probably not the first person to say it. I do believe success is a moving target, something we need to continually define as we enter the various seasons of our lives. I totally agree with you on that. As as I get older, that's exactly how I've come to see it. You know, I I right now I you know, I do struggle a little bit with my personal perception of success. You know, when I was a kid in in, in Africa, my definition of success was, you know, very simple, and that to me was uh, being, you know, a, a girl and everything, I wanted to live a life uh, that's on my own terms. You know, I wanted to be able to get an education, which that was a hard thing for most people around that time. I know things have changed a bit. That, you know, I didn't want to be forced into marriage. That, you know, so living life on my own terms, which I do now, it was my idea of success. And that has changed over time. So when it comes to you know, the American measure or standards of success or just, you know, the definition of success for most people these days, you know, the big house, the expensive car, lots of money, you know, that, you know, I haven't measured up to that yet, but that's not a driving force for me. Uh, Because now what I think about success, uh, more importantly, is my happiness. Am I living uh, a life according to you know, the values that matter to me. You know, some of the people that have defined success, Ralph Waldo Emerson, you know, talks about to laugh often and much to win the respect of intelligent people. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Action's the foundation, key to success. You know, and then Woody Allen is 80% of success is showing up. And I got to agree with Woody Allen. (laughs) I think no matter what you're doing in life, you know, if you show up and and keep working at it every day, you're going to show progress and you're going to become more successful at whatever it is that you're, you're looking for. Yeah. My favorite one is that one of Emerson. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's how I try to live my life every day. Uh, But you know, Oprah has a great philosophy on success as well. um, All based on service, which I love. She says, uh, don't worry about being successful. Strive for the truest, highest expression of yourself. And then use that expression in service to the world. And ask yourself, how can I be of service with my talent? How can I be uh, used in service? Uh, And then I guarantee you, uh, no matter what your talent or offering, you will be successful. And I agree with her wholeheartedly. And I think that has been the centerpiece of uh, something I've seen in the people that I consider to be very successful. There's a, uh, a website where people go and post their various blogs. And I ran across a blog from a 
personal computer mechanic in the Santa Barbara area. Mm -hmm. His name is Ramson Evas, I think. It's E-I-V-A-S. But mm -hmm. he said some very profound things, I thought, in his blog. You know, the uh, price we pay for material success. He says, as we become more fixated on accumulating material possessions, we often neglect the aspects of life that truly matter, our relationships, our emotional well-being, and our connection to our fellow human beings, and that the consequence of this materialized mindset are far-reaching and profound, impacting not only our individual lives, but the very fabric of our society. It's true. I think if we focus only on how much and what we've got today, we're never, we're never going to be happy with what we have because we're always going to want more. Well, and, and it's so true about, you know, like God's been good to me in terms of helping me meet and be in the proximity of a lot of very wealthy people. One thing I continue to see a thread uh, among all of, uh, all of them is, is spending way too much of the time, you know, on making money and very little time investing in the relationships that really matter. A lot of them just look so stressed and not so happy. And I'm like, man, if I had all this money, <laughs> you think all so? Material possessions, I would be, I would think that I would be happier. But I, I don't, I don't tend to see that being a common denominator with uh, no. successful people. They're often very stressed out and uh, running from point A to point B. You know, many definitions of, you know, lots of money, a great job, a fancy car, I've got houses in five different places. You know, they're all based on things that are temporary. If you're rich, you can lose your money. It happens all the time. If you got a great job, you might get fired. Got a yeah. fancy car, expensive house. Yeah. You know, they stole and destroyed. I mean, it's it's true. It's true. So I remember, you know, that's why I think you know, that's why spiritual success is so important in the long run. You know, it's about the the life we live and the love we live and that's the thing that's going to sustain us in the long term. That key word there that just uh, made my ears perk up even more is that uh, spiritual aspect. And that is something that has kept me grounded. Because I remember, you know, coming out of college, you know, uh, my my idea of success too, you know, was, you know, moving to a big city. I had always wanted to live in New York City. So, you know, I, I moved out there and I wanted the corner office, Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue. I got that, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, being able to travel abroad, you know, and I was doing all of that stuff. And I thought uh, that that was going to make me really happy. And it kept dawning on me every time, like, uh, you know, I made certain moves or whatever. I didn't feel any better. You know, like there's this knowing feeling inside me that just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, what is this? And I realized it's because I wasn't focusing uh, on my spirit, the spiritual aspect of uh, success. And so, you know, it made me kind of like pivot and uh, change uh, my outlook about how I wanted to live my life going forward. And so when I started focusing on that aspect of myself, that's when I started feeling happier. And it's been, it's, it's really guided my path so far. For me, I feel like until I have that aspect of me, it's on par, then everything else that I'm achieving, uh, whether it's, you know, career-wise or relationship-wise or whatever, they don't last. 
you know what I mean? So so then I just decided, you know what, that needs to be my focus first and foremost, and then let everything else come in. You know, success as a Christian is knowing and, and doing the will of Jesus. And, you know, from his perspective, success means, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple, except a lot of us have a problem with that last part, especially if his name is Putin. But getting yeah. back to what you what you were saying, I'm sorry. How am I going to love Putin? I don't think I'll ever love him. I'm sorry. You know, you were talking about the, the challenges in the world. And one of the things is up until 100 years ago, the word priority was singular. And there was no plural of it. The word uh, means first. It, it comes from the Latin word meaning first. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Your priority is whatever you put first in your life. And and that maybe that's your spiritual, your Christian life, but it's got to be first. Once you start talking priorities, mm-hmm. you're talking, I have multiple firsts. Right. I'm serving multiple masters. At some point, you're, you're going to run into conflict if you don't have one overriding priority, not priority. Yes. And in our culture of multitasking and multi-prioritizing and stuff, that is difficult to do, especially after, you know, the lockdown, you know, after COVID. I I think a lot of us, you know, had some time to sit back and reflect on what really matters. And what I'm I'm hoping is that uh, as a society, you know, we, we got to realize as a world that spiritual focus needs to be at the top. Because otherwise, we're just walking around, you know, like empty shells, getting blown about, you know. Um, It is very important. Even now, you know, what I'm doing, you know, in the hospitality industry, I feel like that that's my version of service, right? I mean, there are different different ways of serving people, of serving the world, even with your job, in your job, whether, you know, it's doing customer service or whatever it is. I think it like we underestimate the impact we have on each other. Uh, when we we were able to recognize uh, that that aspect of us that is that's almost like creator, like when we serve each other, we are uh, being of service to one another, and we are recognizing our divinity in each other. I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I liked where you were going, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I I found this blogger Josh White on Medium.com, which I would recommend. A lot of great content there. Anyway, he said, all success comes at a price and value at a cost. It's the way life is. And it seems it's been that way for a long time. And the way I see it, it will stay a long time. So success comes at a price and value at a cost. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, that's true. Nothing, you know, is free, essentially, in this world, right? Uh, we all have to pay for whatever it is that we get in, involved in, uh, whether it's monetarily or uh, in, in other ways. So yeah, he's definitely right. And and it's also interesting that I think over over the years, uh, like you said earlier, success is a moving target, right? And that's re- being reflected in in our population too. Here, you know, it says uh, a recent GoDaddy survey. Uh, which asked more than a thousand U.S. small business owners to describe what achieving the American dream entails to them, you know, shows that that 54 percent 
of the respondents defined it as feeling happy in life. And that is, that's my definition of success, happiness, especially for someone like me, you know, who started out, uh, you know, this, this life, uh, you know, as a war child and things like that. Happiness was not, never something that was consistently there for me. Being happy is, is a huge part of what my definition of success is. And 49%, of those uh, surveyed uh, said it involved freedom to follow my passions. That's another one. That's a big one for me. Me being able to sit here and work on, on this podcast with you, that is, uh, you know, something that I value because, you know, be, being able to have that freedom to do something that I love, you know, that's a, a definition of success for me as well. Steve Jobs uh, is a person who's had a profound impact on my life from afar as I go back, I mean, I, I remember the first Apple computer, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad. Truly, maybe one of the uh, most successful entrepreneurs and marketing entrepreneurs of, uh, of our generation. He, on his deathbed, is he is alleged to have written an essay. And I'd like to think it's true because some of the things he said it capture where I'm coming from. He talked about treasure love from your family love from your spouse, love from your friends, treat yourself well and cherish others. As we grow older and hopefully wiser, we realize that a $3,000 or a $30 watch both tell the same time. Mm -hmm. You will realize that your true inner happiness does not come from material things of this world. Mm -hmm. Whether you fly first class or economy, if the plane goes down, you go down with it. I'm going to say one more thing because this is Great advice to all of us that have grandkids, kids, nieces, nephews. Don't educate your children to be rich. Educate them to be happy. Mm, so mm. when they grow up, they will know the value of things and not the price. My, my, that is a good one, especially that last part. Yeah. That, that speaks volumes. And, you know, it's interesting because when I look at the people that I respect all over the world that I, I think are successful, I think they all have this aspect. I think it is spiritual in nature. Uh, there's just this uh, dignity about themselves and, 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 and the way they treat people. That is big for me. That is big success, uh, a big definition of success for me. To me, it all has to do with the human spirit and the dignity of how we treat one another. So, you know, you know when, I, when I meet really uh, rich people who are rude, who are mean, and they don't have that to me, I don't see them being as successful. As we said earlier, success is a subjective concept. You know, how does one gauge whether a person's successful? Elon South African-born Elon Musk, uh, Michael Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Lady Gaga. Those were four people that were mentioned in an article as uh, people that were among the world's most successful. And I don't know, do you agree with that fearsome foursome? You know, looking at where they are in terms of the material success and, you know, the celebrity status. Yeah, man. And, and, and when you read about them, all of them have, you know, they, they came from hard backgrounds as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and, and most people didn't even believe in them when they first started. So, you know, like the Elon Musk's and Michael you know, Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. Exactly. When he was younger. Sylvester Stallone, I don't know much about. Lady Gaga's had quite a career. 
she has. And all these stories, uh, you know, they're mind-blowing. Stallone did not even, uh, his movie Rocky is what propelled him to stardom. And he wrote all of that stuff himself. He wrote the script, he directed the movie, and every nobody believed in him when he brought that idea forth. So he had to do it himself. And Elon Musk, like 10, 15 years ago, like people are looking at him like, who the heck is this crazy guy with all his crazy ideas? And he's had, you know, a hard time even finding investors to believe in his ideas. But, you know, he's made it happen. So, yeah, of course, they're very successful. And the, and, and the stories just, they're, they're very motivating and inspiring. If you take success and you apply it to companies, uh, Apple in... Uh, 2023, May of 2023, was the world's largest company, had a market capitalization of $2.75 trillion. And then rounding out the top five, Microsoft, Saudi Arabian oil company. Aramco. Yeah. yeah. I thought Aramco was was even more, uh, had a higher capitalization. Top than three. Apple. Top mm-hmm. three. So still okay. there. Google's parent company and, and Amazon. So this article uh, pointed out what makes a great company great. The best companies know who they are and why they exist. They stay true to their core principles. They understand their key purpose is to know and serve their customers. You got to love that one. Uh Yes. And that the best business idea is a skill or knowledge that solves someone's problems and is one that people are willing to pay you for. And I think that's that's a key, that last one. Whatever you're doing, figure out what you have that's unique and different that solves a problem someone has. And if mm. you can do that, you've got a business. I should have known about that when I was much younger. I'm just <laughs> picking these things up you know, much later in life. But yes, that is the key. Now, when researchers ask men and women what their definition of a success are, individuals, you know, common people like you and I, Aliki, mm-hmm. some of the answers were, you know, achievement of goals that help others succeed, positive outcome after mm-hmm. hard effort and useful experience, successful persons, one who does his work properly. There's a lot of different ways to define success. So it all goes back to that whole, the, you know, success is a moving target. <laughs> I think you got it. Success remains rather elusive and it's subjective for most of us, right? Yes, it is. And it's so funny, you know, like I, I wanted to put this in there. Uh, it's like my idea of success changes every, it depends on where I am too. Here, you know, when I'm here in the US, you know, you know, we're looking at in terms of career and, you know, money and all these other things. And like whenever I'm in Uganda, <laughs> it's also different because what I realized I, 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 when I went home uh, during COVID, actually, it was I, I got there in terms of education in my family. I would say I'm probably the most educated at this point. Now, the younger kids are coming along. Right. So to me, that's always been a big deal. Like I, I education knowledge is huge for me. So, you know, I, I go home, I'm thinking like, oh, people are going to be impressed. You know, I make this. Nobody cared. What they're asking me about, most importantly, was, okay, so uh, when are you going to get married and when are you going to have kids? So, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's it's weird how the definition changes, you know, with wherever you are. 
wherever you go. So that kind of made me feel like in our certain way. I came back thinking like, oh man, maybe I should, you know, be serious about this marriage and 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 having children thing. But you know, that that kind of evaporated like that within six evaporated. months. <laughs> within six months of me coming back to the U.S. <laughs> Well, Aliki, it seems success remains rather elusive and subjective for most of us. It means yeah. different things to different people. So I think we need to be careful before judging someone for not meeting our measure of success. You know, that person might be on a totally different path. To paraphrase Winston Churchill, even achieving what you think is success is not final, nor is failing fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So true, Deno. So true. That's going to wrap things up. Again, uh, we want to thank our listeners. Please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, but Mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. <laughs>